Chapters 3 and 4 of Essays on Work and Culture. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anusha Ayer, Mumbai. Essays on Work and Culture by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter 3 Work as Self Expression. The higher the kind and quality of a man's work, the more completely does it express his personality. There are forms of work so rudimentary that the touch of individuality is almost entirely absent, and there are forms of work so distinctive and spiritual that they are instantly and finally associated with one man. The degree in which a man individualizes his work and gives it the quality of his own mind and spirit is, therefore, the measure of his success in giving his nature free and full expression. For work, in this large sense, is the expression of the man. And as the range and significance of all kinds of expression depend upon the scope and meaning of the ideas, forces, skills and qualities expressed, so the dignity and permanence of work depend upon the power and insight of the worker. All sound work is true and genuine self-expression but work has as many gradations of quality and significance as has character or ability dealing with essentially the same materials each man in each generation has the opportunity of adding to the common material that touch of originality in temperament insight or skill which is his only possible contribution to civilization the spiritual nature of work and its relation to character are seen in the diversity of work which the different races have done, and in the unmistakable stamp which the work of each race bears. First as a matter of instinct, and later as a matter of intelligence, each race has followed, in its activities, the lines of least resistance, and put its energies forth in ways which were most attractive because they offered the freest range and were nearest at hand the attempt of some historians of a philosophical turn of mind to fit each race into a category and to give each race a sharply defined sphere of influence has been carried too far and has discredited the effort to interpret arbitrarily the genius of the different races and to assign arbitrarily their functions it remains true however that in a broad sense each race has had a peculiar quality of mind and spirit which may be called its genius and each has followed certain general lines and kept within certain general limits in doing its work the people who lived on the great plains of central asia worked in a different temper and with wide divergence of manner from the people who lived on the banks of the nile and the jew the greek and the roman showed their racial differences as distinctly in the form and quality of their work as in the temper of their mind and character and thus on a great historical scale the significance of work as an expression of character is unmistakably disclosed in this sense work is practically inclusive of every force and kind of life since every real worker puts into it all that is most distinctive in his nature the moral quality contributes sincerity veracity solidity of structure the intellectual quality is disclosed in order lucidity and grasp of thought 
the artistic quality is seen in symmetry proportion beauty of construction and of detail the spiritual quality is revealed in depth of insight and the scope of relationships brought into view between the specific work and the world in which it is done in work of the finer order dealing with the more impressionable material there are discoverable not only the character and quality of the worker but the conditions under which he lives the stage of civilization the vigor or languor of vital energy the richness or poverty of social life the character of the soil and of the landscape the pallor or the bloom of vegetation the shining or the veiling of the skies so genuinely and deeply does a man put himself into the thing he does that whatever affects him affects it and all that flows into him of spiritual human and natural influence flows into and is conserved by it a bit of work of the highest quality is a key to a man's life because it is the product of that life and it brings to light that which is hidden in the man as truly as the flower lays bare to the sun that which was folded in the seed what a man does is therefore an authentic revelation of what he is and by their works men are fairly and rightly judged for this reason no man can live in any real sense who fails to give his personality expression through some form of activity for action in some field is the final stage of development and to stop short of action to rest in emotion or thought is to miss the higher fruits of living and to evade one's responsibility to himself as well as to society the man whose artistic instinct is deep cannot be content with those visions which rise out of the deeps of the imagination and wait for that expression which shall give them objective reality the vision brings with it a moral necessity which cannot be evaded without serious loss indeed the vitality of the imagination depends largely upon the fidelity with which its images are first realized in thought and then embodied by the hand to comprehend what life means in the way of truth and power one must act as well as think and feel for action itself is a process of revelation and the sincerity and power with which a man puts forth that which is disclosed to him determine the scope of the disclosure of truth which he receives to comprehend all that life involves of experience or offers of power one must give full play to all the force that is in him it is significant that the men of creative genius are as a rule men of the greatest productive power one marvels at the magnitude of the work of such men as michelangelo and rembrandt as beethoven and wagner as shakespeare balzac thackeray carlyle and browning not discerning that as these master workers gave form and substance to their visions and insight the power to see and to understand deepened and expanded apace with their achievements chapter four the pain of youth it is the habit of the poets and of many who are poets neither in vision nor in faculty to speak of youth as if it were a period of unshadowed gaiety and pleasure 
with no consciousness of responsibility and no sense of care the freshness of feeling the delight in experience the joy of discovery the unspent vitality which welcomes every morning as a challenge to one's strength invest youth with a charm which art is always striving to preserve and which men who have parted from it remember with a sense of pathos for the morning of life comes but once and when it fades something goes which never returns there are ample compensations there are higher joys and deeper insights and relationships but a magical charm which touches all things and turns them to gold vanishes with the morning in reaching its perfection of beauty the flower must part with the dewy promise of its earliest growth all this is true of youth which in many ways symbolizes the immortal part of man's nature and must be therefore always beautiful and sacred to him but it is untrue that the sky of youth has no clouds and the spirit of youth no cares on the contrary no period of life is in many ways more painful the finer the organization and the greater the ability the more difficult and trying the experiences through which the youth passes george eliot has pointed out a striking peculiarity of childish grief in the statement that the child has no background of other griefs against which the magnitude of its present sorrow may be measured while that sorrow lasts it is complete absolute and hopeless because the child has no memory of other trials endured of other sorrows survived in this fact about the earliest griefs lies the source also of the pains of youth the young man is an undeveloped power he is largely ignorant of his own capacity often without inward guidance towards his vocation he is unadjusted to the society in which he must find a place for himself he is full of energy and aspiration but he does not know how to expand the one or realize the other his soul has wings but he cannot fly because like the eagle he must have space on the ground before he rises in the air if his imagination is active he has moments of rapture days of exaltation when the world seems to lie before him clear from horizon to horizon his hours of study overflow with a passion for knowledge and his hours of play are haunted by beautiful or noble dreams the world is full of wonder and mystery and the young explorer is impatient to be on his journey no plan is then too great to be accomplished no moral height too difficult to be attained after all that has been said the rapture of youth when youth means opportunity remains unexpressed no poet will ever entirely compass it as no poet will ever quite ensnare in speech the measureless joy of those festival mornings in june when nature seems on the point of speaking in human language but this rapture is inward it has its source in the earliest perception of the richness of life and man's capacity to appropriate it it is the rapture of discovery not of possession the rapture of promise not of achievement it is without the verification of experience or the corroborative evidence of performance youth is possibility 
that is its charm its joy and its power but it is also its limitation there lies before it the real crisis through which every man of parts and power passes the development of the inward force and the adjustment of the personality to the order of life the shadow of that crisis is never quite absent from those radiant skies which the poets love to recall the uncertainty of that supreme issue in experience is never quite out of mind siegfried must meet the dragon before he can climb those heights on which encircled by fire his ideal is to take the form and substance of reality and the prelusive notes of that fateful struggle are heard long before the sword is forged or the hour of destiny has come there is no test of character more severe or difficult to bear than the suspense of waiting the man who can act eases his soul under the greatest calamities but he who is compelled to wait unless he be of hardy fibre eats his heart out in a futile despair troops will endure losses when they are caught up in the stir of a charge which would demoralize and scatter them if they were compelled to halt under the relentless guns of masked batteries now the characteristic trial of youth is this experience of waiting at a moment when the whole nature craves expression and the satisfaction of action the greater the volume of energy in the man who has yet to find his vocation and place the more trying the ordeal there are moments in the life of the young imagination when the very splendor of its dreams fills the soul with despair because there seems no hope of giving them outward reality and the clearer the consciousness of the possession of power the more poignant the feeling that it may find no channel through which to add itself to the impulsion which drives forward the work of society the reality of this crisis in spiritual experience the adjustment between the personality and the physical social and industrial order in which it must find its place and task is the measure of its possible painfulness it is due perhaps to the charm which invests youth as one looks back upon it from maturity or age that its pain is forgotten and that sympathy withheld which youth craves often without knowing why it craves a helpful comprehension of the phase of experience through which he is passing is often the supreme need of the ardent young spirit his pain has its roots in his ignorance of his own powers and of the world he strives again and again to put himself in touch with organized work he takes up one task after another in a fruitless endeavor to succeed he does not know what he is fitted to do and he turns helplessly from one form of work for which he has no faculty to another for which he has less his friends begin to think of him as a ne'er-do-weel and more pathetic still the shadow of failure begins to darken his own spirit and yet it may be that in this halting stumbling ineffective human soul vainly striving to put its hand to its task there is some rare gift some splendid talent waiting for the ripe hour and the real opportunity in such a crisis sympathetic comprehension is invaluable 
but it is rarely given, and the youth works out his problem in isolation. If he is courageous and persistent, he finds his place at last, and work brings peace, strength, self-comprehension. End of chapters 3 and 4 Recording by Anusha Ayer, Mumbai